Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another episode of your favorite Celtics podcast. It's Causeway Street. I'm your host, Joe Sway. My co-host to the right of me is Joel. What up, what up, what up, what up? No Dutra today. Dutra is actually out of the country and is not what got, you're thinking. He didn't do anything wrong. You got the point of friendly? No, no, not yet. He's, he's, I think he's on his last strike, but no, he's actually in the Dominican Republic for a wedding. So he's, he was gone. Uh, he's been almost 10 days, right? He left uh, last Thursday. Last Thursday. He's going to come back Saturday, I believe. So uh, he's not with us tonight, but we do have a guest. We'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to our guest, what we want to do first is break down last night's uh, first preseason action for the Celtics against an NBA team. Now, the Seas came back from their Europe trip. Uh, they played two games over there. We didn't get a chance to break down those two games. But now that they're back into the States. So, Joel, <laughs> the Celtics beat the Nets 109 to 105. But don't don't let the score fool you now. The Celtics didn't give up a lead once throughout this game, dominating the Nets through most of the game. Uh, they didn't have a huge 20-point or 30-point lead, but for the most part, they kept their distance between them and the Nets. Kept a, you know, They kept a double digits for the most part, and uh, there were a lot of good things to take away from it. What were some of the things you, you thought of, Joel, um, to mention today? Amir Johnson. Um, I, the reason, top of the list, right? Top Amir. of the list. The reason why I bring him up is because I wasn't um, still not very high on Amir Johnson You know when – the Celtics signed him originally, but I'm not going to lie. He was kind of impressive last night in limited action and, and in his first start as a Celtic. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 7 of 10 from the, from the field, and made a couple of uh, three-pointers there. I didn't even know he even had that range. Uh, he was 2 for 3 from behind the, behind the arc. Uh, I, I, was, I was kind of impressed. I ain't going to lie. Yeah, it was great to see that. I mean, I, I knew about Amir Johnson's rebounding ability, and I knew that uh, you know he's a good guy to, to get to throw the ball, you know, to, to throw to in the paint, but... 
Yeah, three-pointers wasn't something I thought was part of his arsenal. No, he, he surprised me with that. He scored in every possible way. He drove to the basket. He had the outside jumper going, cut to the basket. So, you know. Yeah, what I like the, what I like the most about his, uh, his, his offense was that fake. That fake that he does. Yeah, yeah. A lot of teams are going to fall for that fake because he has that threat to shoot from outside. It's an yeah. old, it's an old school move. That, right. It's good to have that in his arsenal. And you think he's going to shoot it almost every single time. And I'm not talking about the threes. I'm talking about right inside that mid range jump shot, right inside the three point arc, where he throws up that fake, and you don't know whether he's going to shoot it or he's going to go inside. You know, you and you don't want to, you don't want him to to sink it from outside. So for the most, for most of the night, people were jumping at that fake, and he did a really good job selling it. Could be. A starter at some point and during the season. It does not necessarily mean that uh, maybe even the next preseason game when they play New York, that he could also be another option for Brad Stevens in the starting five. Yeah, I agree. I, I would like to see that happen. I mean, if, if, even if it doesn't happen right when the season starts, I, I think eventually Amir Johnson is someone that you should really seriously consider putting into the starting lineup. Um, I talked about the last episode. I like him and Lee together. I think that's going to be that would be a great. That's an ideal. Combo. Uh, f- combo into your starting your starting five. Uh, the three, I, I think Crowder and Turner are going to still battle it out this entire month of October. And um, right now, it's it's pretty much a coin flip as to who's going to be starting at the three. But that will complete your front line. I think that's a very good, strong front line if you're going into the regular season with two rebounders and Amir Johnson and, and David Lee. And you have a scoring threat at the wing, whether that's Crowder, uh, Crowder or, or Evan Turner. Evan Turner is the better scorer out of the two, but I think that uh, Crowder is the better defender out of the two. So I think that's something that, you know, uh, Steven's going to have to figure out and he's going to have to decide come October 28th. Uh, what do you think about Thomas and his first start as a Celtic? Not just this, this season, but as a Celtic since we're arriving in, in uh, late February. I liked it. I think I think he looked good. He looked like his same his same old uh, Thomas, and that's not a bad thing at all. Seventeen points, nine assists. That's what you're going to get from Thomas. I think that's going to be his average. He could probably average, you know, what he did last year. He could do it again. Average nineteen points, maybe even an inch towards twenty. Um, do I like the idea of him as a starter? I'm still not warm on that. I don't. I don't think he should be a starter. I think he's a six man who finishes the games, finishes your games. Evan Turner um, also made his debut on uh, Wednesday night. For the preseason because he didn't play out in Europe. Uh, he finished with 10 points and 7 assists and 5 rebounds. I swear, Evan Turner is the classic example of a guy who can fill up the stat sheet and you won't even notice it by the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, he just does these little things that you don't even notice until you see them on paper. Like, was it 7 assists, 5 rebounds? I didn't think... I didn't out think he dished out seven assists last night. Out of, did your, you? out of your starting, out of your starting two guard. No, no, I didn't. Did I you didn't. like? Did it look like he did that? Because it didn't no, for me. I didn't no. think. I, I saw maybe, him maybe the, a few. Maybe but. the rebounding, but the the assist. I didn't realize it was even that high. So, pretty much, and you're starting, you're starting backcourt without Marcus Smart and without Avery Bradley. You had seven assists from Thomas. I'm sorry, from Turner. Turner. And you had nine assists from Thomas. That's that's 16 assists from your starting backcourt out of the 28 total that the Celtics had. Against the Nets, I think that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. That's impressive. You don't have your starting point guard. You don't have uh, Avery Bradley. You're starting two guard. Yep. And you don't have your backup and and Rozier. I mean Rozier. You know those. Of course, they were against Europe teams, but you know he he combined for about I want to say nine or ten assists. You know within those two uh, two games. Uh, a few days ago, I actually heard uh, there was a podcast that I was listening to. I'm gonna keep it nameless because you know I don't like to throw dirt on people on, on this show. That's not what I do. But um, so it's from someone you didn't like. I didn't say someone <laughs> I didn't like. If it was someone I didn't like, I would have said it. Not loud and clear. I didn't someone I didn't like. Oh, uh, okay. I heard, I heard a, uh, a comment that was interesting. Uh, it was a Celtics podcast, not not from the team, but just a Celtics podcast in general. That 
they didn't think that Thomas and Turner played well together. Oh, I think I know what podcast you're talking about. I, I mean, I didn't say I was going to say any names, but they said they said that those two do not work well together. And that was contradictory to what I saw on Wednesday night. Because I think they do work well together. And I think those two can actually be your backup point and your backup shooting guards for the Celtics. You know, they can switch because they both have playmaking abilities. What do you think? I, You know what? I agreed with him. Originally, and that's him is, is uh, Sam Packard of the, of the WEI Celtics podcast. I'm not calling you out, Sam. I'm just saying. I'm just making. I just making an observation. That's all I was saying. I. Uh, it's funny. I never thought about that. But then he brought it to my attention. And I thought that yeah, you know, those two. It was it was rare to see those two on the floor together. You know, last I think, season. I think they played well off each other. But last night they proved that they can do. It. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They they proved they proved him wrong. And I think that's something that Stevens is, is obviously has his eye on because that's going to decide whether, again, does Turner start, does he not start. If he doesn't start, you know, at the end of games and you need, you need those two guys in, you need some offense, let's, let's face it. If you need some offense, you want Turner or Thomas or both of them in the game. Well, I mean, I've I'm, I'm been in, the, in the, the camp of having Turner start, but not necessarily starting as the guard, but starting as your three and having Crowder come on off the bench. But I've been impressed with Crowder these first three games as a starter. You know, when Turner playing his first game on Wednesday night, I thought, well, that was interesting to have Turner and Crowder in as starters, but you had Turner in as your two, mm-hmm. and, and you had Thomas in as your one. Maybe, maybe it was reported, uh, uh, you know, right before the game started that, that uh, neither Bradley or – I mean, we knew about Smart, but we didn't know about Bradley wasn't going to play. I mean, at least I didn't know Bradley wasn't going to play. So to have Turner start – with Crowder and with Thomas, I thought that was an interesting, you know, I thought that was an interesting starting lineup for uh, Brad Stevens. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we, when you don't have Marcus Smart, uh, that's that's pretty much what you're gonna what you're gonna uh, get. Oh, uh, Rozier, but yeah, no, but I'm just saying, just I think it was a blessing in disguise kind of thing to see those two play together. To see those two play together, but yeah. and to have Smart and Rozier out, so something that he was thinking about putting those two together, mm-hmm. but he kind of had no choice. Yeah, right. He had no choice, but this is going to be his decision. This is going to be the tough decision that he he's going to face every single game. Yeah. If if the, if the game comes down, you know, nose to nose and you need offense, you also need a little bit of defense. I mean, how do you figure out how do you figure out who you're going to play between Marcus Smart, between Evan Turner, Bradley. Uh Avery Bradley, right? You know, cuz you want the defense from Bradley and you want the defense from from Smart, but when you want Offense. If you're talking about best play, the, your best offensive weapons from your backcourt, you you have to say it's Evan Turner and Isaiah Thomas. So these are things that he's going to have to figure out who can play together, who can't. Um, I think that it, it's not a coincidence that Bradley didn't play. I mean, he's. I think he was available. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think he was healthy. He's yeah, he was healthy. Just a little rest. He just he, it's, it's a rest, and it's also a, a a test for for Coach Stevens. I mean, he's gonna. This is going to be what this entire October October is going to be about, you know. He's going to be shaking those test tubes and yeah, mixing well, this with that and seeing what comes out best, you know. No, yeah, team. no, I I agree with you with that. I don't. I think Stevens planned on Bradley not playing in the first game back from the Europe trip, but I didn't. You know, no one planned on Smart being sick or Rozier, you know, uh, being injured. If you're going to have Turner come off the bench, like why not have him come off with with Isaiah? Because I I still think Isaiah's your sixth man, regardless of how well he did as a starter. I agree. I agree, and and that's a strong bench if you're talking about Turner, Thomas in the backcourt, and then you know whether it's Zeller or Amir, you know, vice versa combination. Combination. Yeah. I mean, that's your essentially that's your eight man rotation. That ninth guy could be Jarebko, could be R.J. Hunter, it could be Rozier. Who knows? Yeah. But at least you know for the most part that 
that's your eight man rotation. You just don't know who's starting and who's coming off the bench. Exactly. That's going to be that's going to be Stevens's goal by the end of this month, I think. Well, to add on to this uh, depthness conversation, the Celtics finished with six players in double figures, and love it. You had I love it. You had Crowder. You had um, Olenek, and you even had the rookie R.J. Hunter. Each score eleven points, and Hunter also added four assists and four rebounds. So he's not just a shooter, ladies and gentlemen. The man is an all-around basketball player and an NBA-ready guy, more so than James Young, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, James Young, is he's missing. I don't know where he is. Let's, let's face it, guys. I mean, he's, this is another, this is another uh, main season for him. And or, maybe, or, or trade bait. Or trade bait. But he's, not, he's not making the best case for trade bait right now. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. I would love to see the guy just, you know, just go on a, a scoring run or just – just score at least a, a few layups or make a good play here or there, but but I mean he's, yeah, he's play, chucking he's, up these four shots. But yeah, because he's, he's playing, even, he's playing sporadic minutes, so he's trying to take advantage of what he's what he's um, you know what he's given. Yeah, but, but there's a reason why he's coming off the floor. Exactly, though. exactly. But I it, that's that's what I'm alluding to. He needs to prove it in practice. Right. He needs to you know prove it in other ways. He has to prove it on the floor. I, yeah. I don't I don't see him playing defense well. I see him getting beat a lot of the time. So he's not doing anything on that end. On the other end, offensively, he's. Chucking up shots, and he's just not showing any signs of improvement within these uh, three games. The season never trailed in this game. Uh, they scored 100 points for the third straight game. And as a team, they came up with 28 assists. I alluded to that earlier. On 40 made baskets, 16 assists from their backcourt, starting backcourt. They shot 47% from the field and shot 50% from behind the three, which they made 13 out of 26 three-point shots. So Yeah, but they let the net score 100 points. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Come on, man. That, I, I mean, look, okay, okay, all right. To play devil's advocate with you a little bit, both teams had their 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 role slash rookies in the game. No, the it doesn't matter, quarter. man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But this Jordan, is a but, defensive team. That's no, go, that's right. the goal. Okay. And regardless, how many how many points did they have in the fourth quarter? They had they must have scored over thirty points because I was look I had my well the I Celtics, was keeping a close eye on that scoreboard because I don't want I I think the Celtics. What they need to focus on, or one of the things they need to focus on, one of many things they need to focus on throughout this next couple of weeks, when you're playing teams like New York Knicks and you're playing teams like the Brooklyn Nets, you shouldn't. You should be able to hold them to 100 points or less. Okay, you to, should. All right. To be fair, though, in the last five minutes of that game, they've only, they only scored nine points, and they made and some the Nets. And the Nets, Nets kind of went turnovers little, too. Yeah, they Celtics did. made some some stupid turnovers. You're right, but the Nets also made the made their little run, and they make it they made it somewhat interesting in the last four minutes of that of that fourth quarter. You know, overall, through the first three games, the Celtics are only allowing 97 points on average. Good. I think that's pretty good. That's good. I think that's pretty good. That's good. Yeah, 97, 6, 97, that's, that's, that's perfect. So the Celtics right 34 now— 34 points, that's what it was. Sorry to cut you off. 34 right. points Brooklyn fourth, scored in the fourth yeah. quarter, the most he scored the entire game. <laughs> Garbage time or not, can't let it happen. But yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't as close as the score suggests. No, right, which is something I you know, mentioned off the top. However, Caesar, I think they can be a better defensive team than that when you're playing against a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Let's face it, Brooklyn is not going to be fine for any playoff spots this, this season. Okay. They won't even be close. So the first three games, the Celtics are 3-0. Uh, first game back on U.S. soil against an NBA team. So far, we've seen two different starting lineups, um, partly because of uh, illness. But in Europe, we saw Smart, Bradley, Crowder, Lee, and Zeller as a starting five in both games in uh, Italy and uh, Spain. And then on Wednesday night, we saw Thomas and Turner in the backcourt, Crowder, Johnson, and Zeller in the frontcourt. Which lineup 
should Steven stick with or what's your starting five right now, Sway? Based on what we've seen, a little small sample we've seen. My starting five right now, I'm going to go, I, again, like I said, I, I haven't, I can't decide yet between Turner and Crowder, but I'm going to give the edge to Crowder just right now for sake of argument. I, I'm going to say Crowder, Lee, and Johnson as your front court. Okay. And the back court. Is Lee, is Lee your five or your I'm four? I'm still loving Smart and Bradley. What's that, Lee? Lee is your five or your four? Um, I'm, I'm putting him at the four. Oh, okay. I like Johnson at the five. Right. Um, he can stretch out the floor because, you know, because of his, like we said, his shooting threat, a little bit of a shooting threat. And I think um, Lee can jumpstart that, that fast break from the four and also get back. I mean, he can, he can run up and down the floor. I mean, not, not to discredit Amir Johnson, but I, I think uh, I just like Lee at the four. He's, he's, a, he's your ideal four. He can play some five. You can switch him up. But um, I, I, like, I really like those two together. I think those two together would work. Do the Celtics – very that's their best combination if you're talking about starting five those three the defense offense get a little bit of offense from crowder you know he's a defensive guy of course and then you have zeller coming off the bench i mean that that's your that's a good front court um i actually like the starting five in europe i was actually i told you before i mean i've been saying it i said in the last episode i i'm a fan of turner being in the starting lineup but after what i saw on wednesday night I don't. I wouldn't mind Turner coming off the bench. You can and, come off the bench, but you can finish second, your games in that second unit. And you're right. You can finish the games right. along with Thomas. But I do like the Smart and Bradley combo, and Crowder, Lee, and Zeller because Crowder sets the tone defensively. And 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 so far of what I've seen, he's been very aggressive on the defensive end, and it causes turnovers, causes fast breaks. And you got someone like Lee, you know, with his outlet passing, which has been fantastic, and his rebounding. And Zeller, and Zeller is very underrated around the hoop. He's very, he has a very high IQ around the hoop. He takes his time. He doesn't rush things. He's very aware of his surroundings. I like Zeller as your starting five. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to finish the games, but you know, I like I like Zeller what he's shown so far throughout the the the, the preseason. The average margin of victory for the Celtics so far has been 14 points per game. You got the uh, they've been they've been scoring 114 points per game. You know, offensively they're averaging about 28 assists per game. And about 48% of their made shots. And defensively, they're averaging about 44 rebounds, 14 steals, and they're forcing 21 turnovers a game. And again, allowing 97 points per game. So I think it's, pretty, it's been pretty good for the Celtics defensively. And that's what Brad Stevens wants because defense is going to lead to good offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree, absolutely. And I, it's great to see them play against NBA teams now. Um, those stats are good, but let's see if they can keep this going against the New York Knicks and against the Brooklyn Nets again, you know, when they face them uh, this week and next week. Who has impressed you so far? David Lee. Uh, I, I still am most impressed with David Lee. What about you? I like two players. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Avery Bradley, and I'm gonna say R.J. Hunter. Just a just a like a little quick like wild card. I think R.J. Hunter is gonna stay on this on this main roster a lot a lot more than any other rookie in my opinion. Because if you're gonna have Turner come off the bench, then that means that's less time for Rosier. I'm not saying Rosier doesn't deserve it, but I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have he's gonna have a little bit of setback now with this injury, but I like R.J. Hunter because he's he's not just a shooter. He's shown that he can rebound. He's a he's a great passer, and that's gonna lead to more minutes in uh, Brad Stevens' lineup. So I like R.J. Hunter and I like Avery Bradley, even though Bradley didn't play on Wednesday night. But Avery Bradley has been deadly from the outside. He's getting to the hoop more. Then he, then he, then he, then he showed last yes. season. Yeah, that, that was Avery Bradley that we knew. That's, exactly. That's what that's what made him become a starter. You know, a few years ago, it took you know took douchebags uh, 
starting spot. Those backdoor cuts. Yeah, that's what we've missed from Bradley. And he's also going to get him to free throw line, which is essentially going to get him more points. So, yeah, exactly. that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So, who do you think needs to step it up, though? No. I mean, is it obvious? Besides Selinger? <laughs> it's Jared Selinger. I mean, that's the only guy I, I can think of. I mean, he hasn't shown much. Didn't show much in Europe. Uh, just hasn't shown any sign of improvement. Just been the same old guy. And after all that talk about his work ethic and, and coming back to have a huge year, I don't see it. Where is it, Jared? I mean, there's still plenty of time, but I'm not knocking a guy. I'm not saying, you know, trade him or cut him off the roster. But I just – I'm not impressed with him at all. And I, th- I think he's uh, he's yeah, I mean, I underwhelming. Think, I think he's playing limited minutes. And the only game that he showed um, – Something was in the first game against uh, Olympia Milano in 15 minutes. You know, he scored in double figures, and he took advantage of the little bit of time that he played, and he did a little bit of everything in that game. But ever since then, I feel like he's forcing up shots. He's barely taking it in. He's not showing the conditioning that he says that, you know, he's been working on over the, over the summer, but there is still plenty of time. And I think another player that needs to uh, step it up a little bit, and I know, you know, you don't control when you get sick, but I think Marcus Smart has uh, disappeared at times when he's been playing. You know, I think, I think Marcus Smart had a great game, the first game against uh, Olympia Milano, but he's been, he's been pretty quiet. He was pretty quiet against um, Real Madrid, and obviously he didn't play on, 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 on Wednesday, and he's probably not going to play on Friday as well. But I think he needs to step it up a little bit, in my opinion. Those, those two guys, and obviously James Young, you know. But. Time to bring in our guest of the show. Uh, he's here to replace Sean for, the, for this episode. And maybe forever. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, he's the co-host of the Herald Drive on the Boston Herald Radio, also a columnist for the Boston Herald, and it can also be heard on ESPN Radio. Yeah, he's a busy guy. His name is Chris Villani, man. What's going on, Chris? Doing well, Josue. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good, man. Just enjoying this uh, basketball season as we get things going. Are you excited? Are you excited for the season or what? Oh, I'll tell you what. After uh, watching the way the Bruins started for those first two games, I got to get excited for basketball season. Otherwise, it would be uh, a long winter. I want to count the Patriots. Right, exactly. Because you got the Patriots doing well, you have the Bruins struggling, so it's, just, it's on the Celtics, right? I mean, you should be giddy for this season, aren't you? Are you giddy? Well, are you excited well, or are you giddy? Which level? I don't. I don't often. I don't often get giddy. I usually reserve giddy for uh, things involving women, frankly. But uh, <laughs> I, I will. I will say I am excited for this season, and I'll tell you this: you want to talk about the Celtics and Bruins? This is not the Celtics playing a game. I don't think there's a question mark uh, which team is more likely to be a postseason team this year. I mean, obviously. Only one of them, the Celtics, was a postseason team last year. But I think you got to feel good about the way the Celtics team is building. And, and honestly, again, just comparing them to their winter uh, comrades there, it, it's incredible the, the dichotomy and how the fan base should feel and do feel uh, about these two teams. One's got a ton of options kind of on the rise, and the other one is pretty clearly heading into uh, a rebuild that's going to crater before it gets better. Right. Yeah, I agree, Chris, because last season, I mean, if we're talking about win percentage, the Bruins technically had a better season, even though they didn't make the playoffs. The Celtics did manage to make the playoffs, but percentage-wise, I think the Bruins had a better season than the Celtics, but the Celtics managed to make the playoffs because of how uh, the Eastern Conference is shaped out in, in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's less about the, the wins and losses here, honestly, than uh, it is about the way the two teams are situated. I mean, first of all, you just have supreme confidence in the Celtics general manager. I don't why you wouldn't, uh, given what he had accomplished, given his track record. Whereas Bruins obviously changed general managers. They fired their general manager. Uh, a lot of bad contracts on the Bruins. The Celtics have a ton of cap flexibility. Yeah. You know, they talk about all the assets, the drafting assets. And, and for the most part, uh, Danny Ainge has had good success 
drafting at various points in the first round. He's been able to find uh, talent that probably exceeds, make it definitely exceed, uh, out at which uh, that talent was drafted. Tons of reasons to, to be optimistic about this team. Uh, and I think you'll see them, at the very least, continue to come back and play the exciting brand of basketball that we got to know a little bit last year, especially after the Isaiah Thomas act. So what do you think about this year's rookies? What do you think about Terry Rozier, R.J. Hunter, Jordan Mickey? Give me some of your takeaways, even though it's only been a few games into this uh, young preseason schedule. Yeah, very young into the preseason schedule. I mean, only one game against uh, an American team, which is yeah, right. uh, obviously the, the best way to have any kind of a barometer. But I thought R.J. Hunter uh, played pretty well. I think he flashed against the Nets and he had 11 points in that game. So uh, he was able to, to get in and, and make himself, uh, you know, make his presence felt a little bit. I mean, Rozier's been, been dealing with that left knee injury, so we haven't really seen him. But I, I think there's good reason to be optimistic about uh, the way Hunter's played. I mean, I just like the fact that he was able to, to do a lot of different things in a pretty small sample size. I mean, I kind of focused more on that one game. Um, but he had a few assists. Defensively, he played well. He had four steals in the game. He got some rebounds. And was able to hit some shots from beyond the arc, too. And that was one thing that was pretty exciting to see. And Celtics saw them last year really defend the three-point line very well, really at an elite level. But to be able to shoot the three-ball, um, be able to get production that way, they were 13 to 26, shot 50 percent against the Nets. Um, Hunter had, uh, had three of those, I believe, coming off the bench. Uh, so you know he could be a little bit of a three and D guy, but also able to get some of those long boards, uh, dish out a couple of assists. He's not going to fill the stat sheet like that every night, of course, but uh, the more depth they can build, and they have a lot of it, especially in that backcourt, the better. Yeah, I was happy to see RJ Hunter, you know, get some valuable playing time because without Avery Bradley and without Marcus Smart, I was thinking, you know, why not let him get a feel for the, for the first time playing against an NBA team, like you mentioned. You know, this is the first time he's going to get a chance to play against the Knicks and the Nets again and the Toronto Raptors. So I think that's good. That that's I think R.J. Hunter is someone that Celtics should keep an eye on to see if he can actually stay up here instead of making trips back and forth to Maine. Because essentially, I think he will go head back and forth, head back and forth to Maine in Boston throughout the season. But if he can stay in Boston longer than he does in Maine, then that would be a great asset for the Celtics to have. That yeah, definitely, and, and I'm I'm inclined to agree with what you just said. I think he's probably a back and forth kind of guy. I don't right. think he's necessarily. Uh, it's a numbers game here. I mean, you know that Thomas is going to be here. You know Turner's going to be here. Uh, you know Bradley's healthy. He's going uh, to be part of the mix as well. Um, you know, Rozier uh, is in that mix. So, uh, and of course Marcus Smart, who's sick. But you know there, there's just so much uh, depth that, that they've built. So many options on this team. And what you want to see is RJ Hunter just have the ability to be a contributing NBA player as soon as possible because as the Celtics and as Danny Ainge continue to, to experiment with some of their different options here uh, and look at different trade scenarios, the more depth you could have kind of filling in behind uh, what uh, you know, what they've already been able to, to put together, the better. And Hunter can definitely be part of that equation. You're not going to see a ton of them right away. Uh, of course, we're going to react and therefore overreact to everything he does here early on in his career, but I go back to uh, just a genuine trust I have uh, in Danny Ainge. He's going to find guys that can play at the NBA level. They might not be superstars, but he'll find guys that can, that can contribute and be NBA caliber players and be a team next time. Well, one guy who definitely shined brighter than the rest of his teammates was Amir Johnson. His 19 points and 6 rebounds was very impressive and easily his best performance as a subject so far. Now, is this something that we can get used to seeing from Johnson, or will Johnson eventually turn into a 
role player, come off the bench type of guy for the season's upcoming season? What do you think? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, again, we're going off just that one game, uh, one game sample patch. He yeah. shot the ball really well. Yeah. Um, he was able to shoot from beyond the arc a little bit. Uh, he defended pretty well. I thought they all defended, uh, pretty well. Neto scored 105 points in the game. And, uh, but they all shot 40 percenters, so, I mean, they were really good at volume shooters throughout the game. They all had a free throw line at the time. Uh, and made almost every free throw. So, uh, that's a big reason to score ending up the way that he did. But again, it's about guys being able to play on both ends. And I think Johnson can do that. Uh, and I, I think that's something that'll fit well into what Brad Stevens is trying to do. Hey, Chris, it's uh, Joel. How are we doing? Doing well. Uh, I just had a quick question uh, about, uh, David Lee. Uh, you know, he didn't play against Brooklyn. What do you think so far uh, in the, in the Europe trip, the two games that we've seen him as a starter? Do you think he's here? For the rest of the season, do you think that Danny Ainge might look to trade him towards like the trading deadline, or or maybe he he'll be here in the future? What are your thoughts? Well, it, it's you know with a guy like Ainge, I mean, he obviously trades for uh, for Lee. You know, he fires Lee because he wants Lee. I mean, it's, it's similar to Thomas. He targets the guy first, knows what he's going after, and then goes after him. That's that's one of the things you have to like. That said, I said it before about Danny, he'll trade his mother. And, Value coming back. So <laughs> I can't sit here and definitively say that anybody in the Celtics team is untradeable or unmovable uh, or anything like that. I mean, Danny Ainge has either let walk, traded away, or a combination every member that, that helped put together a championship in the Celtics um, because it was time to move on and, and it was his best long term in keeping the team. But I, I do think ideally they want the be a, a factor here. They want him to be uh, a guy that's one of the core players of the team, I think that's going to be option A for, for Lee. And uh, I think he's got the opportunity to fill that. I'm high on the team, man. I really am. I think they're a playoff team. Um, it's hard to say how far they go in the playoffs, that matchup, etc. Uh, so I won't get into that, but but I really do think they're a playoff team. And I've, I've seen some of the pundits out there on the you know, ESPN.com and whatnot say they could be as good as Atlanta. So uh, there, there's people that are really high on this team this year with good reason, and I think Lee's part of that equation. Okay, so based on their small sample size so far, three games, one NBA team, two European teams, on paper, where do you see the Celtics in the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference? Top four, top five? Well, I mean, you know, they're certainly behind uh, a few teams at least. I mean, they're behind Cleveland. I'm not ready to put them with Atlanta. I, I know some are, and again, I saw that on ESPN.com here. I, I just have a hard time uh, putting the Celtics uh, ahead of them. Uh, I think they're a step uh, behind Chicago. You know, they've got a new coach there, so you got to see exactly how that goes. Uh, but then you look at some of the other teams. You have Toronto, Washington, um, so Miami, if they take a step forward this year, which a lot of people, myself included, think they can do. Uh, I, I think they're in that mix. I think it's, it's, it's somewhere in that second tier, that second cut of teams. You know, could they be a home team first round? I think that's borderline. That's maybe stealing for them, pushing for that. More likely probably a bottom half playoff field type team, but that would be a nice step forward. I mean, you look at what Golden State did five years ago, uh, a team that could barely make the playoffs, got to the postseason, advanced to the postseason, you know, gets to the finals, wins the finals. I mean, they kind of built it uh, the, the incremental way that we haven't seen a ton of through the NBA because so much of just go out, get the big free agent star, and get 20 games better that next year. Golden State didn't do it that way, and the Celtics, at least to this point, aren't doing it that way either. But as you see them continue to progress, you need a little bit of luck. They're going to have to sign or develop a star, uh, get lucky in the draft, one of these six they have, probably one that's not their own. But 
I think you got to like the way they're building it. I think they take another step forward. All right, Chris, this is the last one for me. Uh, one guy that everyone had their eyes on was was uh, was Jared Sellinger. Um, because yep. of what he said, you know, during the offseason, how hard he worked, because of the reports of how he worked with John Lucas, how he was going to cut weight, how um, at media day he talked about um, having more of a low post game and how he had moves that he'd been working on. And he hasn't really shown that so far. What's your take on Sunder? Is it too early to be concerned? Or are we just waiting to see the same old Jared coming come this well, upcoming season? Well, I mean, again, you know, kind of, kind of more of the same in terms of uh, sample size and whatnot. He played one NBA team in three season games. Uh, he played two European teams. And one of them, I'm pretty sure Real Madrid's a soccer team. I think they can read that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> played a basketball team. Hey, uh, hey, a couple I'll, of those guys could play, play, man. A couple of them could shoot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look to confirm that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see Cristiano the Ronaldo team, there either. Yeah, if the other team wasn't touching the uh, ball with, the, with their hands at any point, I think Sullivan could probably end it, man. But, uh, I mean, Sullivan was terrible against the Nets. I don't think there's really any other way to put it. Um, but it's too soon to get too excited. It's too soon to get too concerned. My optimism about this team is based not at all around what they've done so far in the preseason. It's based upon how they looked last year how they really came together after Isaiah Thomas came uh, to this team, really bought his Brad, uh, Brad Stevens system and what he was trying to do. And I think it's also, and just what you pointed this out a little while ago, based on the landscape of the Eastern Conference. There's some good teams. I think there's some teams that could get better this year, but there's still not the depth that there is out West. I mean, think about it. If you're doing your NBA power rankings right now, obviously Cleveland is at or near the top. I mean, you're hard-pressed out to put Golden State number one. But then... How many teams do you go through before you get to another Eastern Conference team? San Antonio, you get the Clippers, you got the uh, Rockets, the Grizzlies, the Thunder. You, know, you might go another five, six, seven teams before you get to another team from the East. That's something that obviously is going to play to, uh, to the Celtics' favor as well. But that's why I'm off. Three games in, three preseason games in, uh, nonetheless. Only one against another NBA team. It's way too soon to base much off the of this game. Yeah, but the depth makes, you, makes them look promising, doesn't it? I mean, this team is deep, right? Oh, yeah, there's tons of depth. Absolutely. I, I think we knew that coming in. You just kind of look at the roster up and down. There's tons of depth on this team. And, and I think there's some quality depth here. It's not just the depth of, well, everybody's the same level of mediocre. Uh, I think you've got some guys that be stars on this team. I think everything's going to run through Thomas again this year. Uh, at least that's what they'll try to do. And then I think, like we talked about with Hunter and some of the other guys, they're really working on building that quality depth. He's the co-host of the Herald Drive, heard on uh, Boston Herald Radio every morning. Uh, he's also, of course, a columnist for the Boston Herald, so you should check out his work. He's Chris Villani. You can also be heard on ESPN Radio. Again, this guy's a busy man. Chris Villani. And W-E-E-I, just wait. You know where we met? And W-E-E-I. I was going to get there, Chris. All right, all right. You copy my resume over next time. I mean, what, you're going to send me all of it? Was it two, three pages long? Jeez. Something like that, yeah. I'm trying to collate get it down to one page. You can also hear him on WEEI. Thank you. Chris Villani. Villani, I better see you soon, man. We got to go grab a drink or something. Sounds, uh, sounds good to me. We'll uh, catch yourself again. Even, that sounds even better. All right, Chris. You take care, man. Thanks for, stepping, for, uh, for, for calling in. Appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. Take care, man. Thank you. It is a small sample size, but I think... The reason why you're not seeing three or four of these guys is not only because of injury and because of, uh, you know, illnesses, which is what happened with, with Marcus Smart. I think it's because Brad Stevens is 
trying trying everyone out. Every, he wants to get everyone some you know quality minutes. He wants to see how everyone can mix and match and the combinations and all the lineups he can put together. And he's going to have a good idea of what's going to be best moving forward into the regular season by the end of this month. No, I mean, I, I agree. You have, what, uh, five more games, if I'm not mistaken? For, uh, for Brad Stevens to have an idea who works better with who, what combinations are to his advantage defensively, offensively. So far, it's been it's been pretty interesting to watch, in my opinion. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's like what Chris said about R.J. Hunter. I mean, R.J. Hunter doesn't get those minutes if Avery Bradley's playing, you know, uh, if Marcus Smart is there. You know, um, it's too bad we can't see some, some more too. Rozier. Rozier, when Turner was out, was, was getting a lot of minutes. Right, exactly. Advantage. And I think that Rozier would have been right there with Hunter if he, if it wasn't for his injury. Now, it's too bad we're not going to be able to see him for at least a couple of weeks. I think it's fair to say that he's going to be in the mix of one of those guys who uh, Coach Stevens will have to you know figure out where he can plug him into, which lineups is going to work best, which backcourt combination is going to be best moving forward. Um, another thing that we, we talked about with Chris was um, the impact of Amir Johnson, the impact of David Lee. David Lee showed that he can he, he's going to be a valuable piece of this team. He showed that over in Europe. However, is he a starter? Is he going to come off the bench? These are questions that Brad Stevens is going to have to figure out by the end of this month. Joel, what do we miss? Well, in case you missed it, um, well, you, we remember the, uh, the big news last week between former teammates Matt Barnes and Derek Fisher, right? Supposedly, you know, reported, oh, it was reported boy. that Fisher drove, um, Barnes drove 95 miles to his ex-wife's house because Derek Fisher was there, was concerned about his son's well-being. Because yada, he was yada, doing yada. his wife, yeah. ex-wife, <laughs> whatever. That's, I mean, that's just messed up, man. That's, I mean. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, okay. Allegedly. Like, quote, unquote, allegedly. Okay. That's some messed up, man. That's it was, Well, it was reported that uh, allegedly the NBA was going to you know, possibly hand down some disciplinary, d- disciplinary action. Yeah. But so far, nothing's come of that from the NBA, and I don't know. Do you think it's, I don't think it's, anything's going to happen, really. Uh, if nothing happened by now, then no. Originally, I did, yes. I, Maybe I, they're I thought, still investigating, but... I thought a couple of fines. Um, if, if Fisher wasn't still in the NBA, then I would. I, my original thought would be no. That's my player, initial yeah. thought, but I thought that there would at least be a couple of fines because, you know, this is just inappropriate, I guess. is <laughs> the best word to, to call it. Everything about this is inappropriate. I mean, regardless, if this guy was your, your teammate or just an associate. I mean, that, that's another thing. But these guys were supposedly boys. I mean, these two, Matt Barnes told reporters in Memphis that, that they were boys and that he considered him a friend. And you just don't do that, man. You know, not only of, because of it's his ex-wife, but it's the mother of his kid. I mean, come on, Fisher. I thought he had a little more class than that. Isn't this the president or the former president of the Players Association? Derek Fisher? Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, as far as your relationship with Coach Carl, how has that been going on for this preseason? Uh, it's not been going too well. Um, we got into a couple arguments the last couple of days, but hopefully we continue to talk and get better. In case you missed it, that was Rajon Rondo of the Sacramento Kings. Is that, is that- we know better than that. <laughs> Well, he's gonna he's gonna come clean a week or two weeks into the preseason and say that he's not getting along with George Carl. Come I, on, Sacramento, you're better than that. I mean, I love I love the video. He's so like you know, in classic Rondo fashion, he's so like stone faced. Right. Like, it's not like, like he's sick too. Like 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 yeah, we 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 hate each other. Right. Next question. <laughs> like, come on, guys, really. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting when the season starts. I mean, I know for one of one of my teams for the NBA league pass that I'm be watching would be the Sacramento Kings. What about you, Sway? Me too. Me too. I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I, I want to see how this whole thing plays out, not only because of this, uh, you know, off-the-floor, quote-unquote, drama that people are anticipating, but I want to see how the how the team itself plays out. How are they – how is he going to play with, 
with uh, Cousins? How is he going to play with, you know, the rest of his teammates, with Rudy Gay? I think they have a good roster. Are they a playoff team? Maybe not quite, but they're going to they're gonna win a, a handful deep, of games. It's a deep west, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot. They'll uh, win some games. A lot more excitement in Sacramento than there has been the last few years. Pretty much for that. Um, in case you missed it for the Celtics real quick, um, we talked about it earlier in the show, but uh, Marcus Smart is out with a uh, strep throat. And Terry Rozier is out with sore with sore knees, apparently. Sustained the injury early in the preseason, early in training camp, and he didn't say nothing. Is this yeah, he wants this reminiscent of uh, James Young? Yeah, last he year? wanted to play. I mean, <laughs> might bite him in the ass. Might bite him in the ass. James Young might have, you know, been talking to his ear saying, don't say anything, but no, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> trying to sabotage his too bad, time. man. I want to see more of Rozier. I like this guy. I think he can be a, a good backup point guard. I want to see this guy in Boston more than we see him in Maine. I think out of the three rookies, he's the guy that ha- his chances are best in terms of, of staying up in, in or you know staying in Boston than, than going going to Maine. Well, James Young, on the other hand, completely different story. He's heading to Maine. Well, Back your stuff, James. <laughs> well, I hope I hope Terry has uh, learned his lesson and uh, not to uh, hide any injuries or soreness or things of that nature if he wants to remain on the uh, active Celtics roster. But both most likely will not play on Friday night against the Knicks. They both remain in Boston. For Rozier, he could be out anywhere for three to five days to over a week. Smart, well, I don't know how strep throat is with different people, but could be, could be. we won't probably see Smart until when the Celtics come back to Boston. Is James Young healthy? Uh, yeah, but he's just not NBA ready. Yeah, I think he's missing. I don't know what you guys <laughs> think, but where the hell has he been? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not NBA ready. He, he hasn't been NBA ready. He looks worse than he did last year. How is that possible? No, hasn't... James Young hasn't been relevant since the uh, ever since the fi- since the <laughs> since the final NCAA uh, basketball game. <laughs> yeah, right. Back in two thousand what, fourteen? <laughs> fourteen, yeah, yeah. So that's that's in case you missed it. Um, on 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 a sad note, uh, just real quickly, I just wanted to mention about um, former NBA star Lamar Odom, who he's currently still fighting for his life, uh, his own life support after he was uh, found unconscious. Uh, a few days ago, so our thoughts and prayers are to him and his family. You know, hopefully he makes it. Some better news about some Lamar. Positiv- some positivity. We need some positivity. You know, keep, keep fighting Lamar, with him, man. It's just a, it's a it's sad story. Man. Sad story, man. But thoughts and prayers out. All right, that's gonna do it for us here on uh, Causeway Street Blog Podcast, episode twenty three. Check us out, obviously, on all our social media accounts: Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. All handles at Causeway Street. Also like us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Causeway Street Blog. Our uh, website at causewaystreetblog.com. And we'll catch y'all on the flip side, guys. Check it. Peace out. <laughs>